Welcome to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. We are entering into week five of the National Football League season. Last week, going into week four, we had eight undefeated teams. Now, entering into week five, there are only three remaining. The 4-0 New England Patriots, who travel to Washington to play the 0-4 Washington Redskins. The San Francisco 49ers, coming off of a bye or 3-0, they play home on Monday night against the Cleveland Browns, 2-2, two and two, who look like they're putting some things together, especially in that passing game and that running game behind Chubb. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who squeaked out a win last week with a negative turnover ratio against the Detroit Lions, are 4-0, and they play home against the 2-2 two and two Indianapolis Colts. Speaking of turnovers, last week in Week 4, Teams that had a plus one or better turnover ratio finished 12 and 2. There was one game with a zero turnover ratio at the end. The only two teams that won with a negative turnover ratio were the Kansas City Chiefs, aforementioned, and the Carolina Panthers, who play this week the Carolina Panthers at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we'll be talking to Norv Turner, offensive coordinator on today's show. Also, the New York Giants, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach Mike Shula, and talk about the surge of Duke quarterback Daniel Jones and his two wins uh, since he's been named the starter. So when we come back, we'll have a couple of great guests. We're also going to have Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens on the show to talk about a couple controversial subjects in thoroughbred horse racing, make a couple NFL picks, and give us a couple picks in the Grade 1 Champagne Stakes and the Grade 1 Santa Anita Sprint Championship. More from Odds and Ends with Mike Tice when we come right back. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do, this guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. My next guest is the offensive coordinator of the two wins in a row with quarterback Kyle Allen, offensive coordinator Norv Turner. Norv, how did the week go and how did your Friday go? Fridays are good. We've got the entire game plan done Friday. We had our Friday practice, you know, where we go through all the different situations. And I think our guys are excited to to get back home and play. Like you said, we went on the road and, and played good on the road and won two games. Uh, it's time for us to win at home. Yeah, it was really nice. And, and you have another AFC opponent this week in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And coming off that 16, a big 16-10 win at Houston was a really nice game and an excellent game plan by your, you and the coaches. Spread the ball around. Kyle Allen did a nice job. He was 24-34. No interceptions. You know, that that's the big thing, though, Norb. No interceptions. And tell me about his progress. And, of course, the great job your son Scott Turner's done with him. Well, yeah, they've uh, they've spent a lot of time together the last two weeks. You know how it is with a young quarterback. Uh, you know, there's meetings after meetings and then staying late at night and, and getting the game plan and getting the details down for all the different situations like we talked about. Uh, but, you know, Kyle Kyle played a year ago in the last game of the season against New Orleans, and the one thing that came out of that game is he just showed great poise. Uh, 
have been on the road. Uh, he plays. He he plays with a great poise on the road. Uh, not affected by the crowd and all those things. And you know he's played well. Uh, he he played. You know he had threw four touchdowns in the in the Arizona game. You were you were nice to say he didn't throw any interceptions. You know he had he had a, a tough time in the pocket with the ball. He had fumbles, but we've worked hard to to emphasize the you know ball security and when to when to take off and when to stay in the pocket and. You know, every play doesn't have to end up successfully. You just can't have a major negative play. Well, yeah, and that's a good stat, and I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm, I'm actually glad you did a little bit. He did get sacked three times, and he did fumble three times, and you were one of only two teams, and I, yeah, this is a Chuck Knoxism for me. You were one of only two teams in the league last week that won with a negative turnover ratio, you and Kansas City. And uh, Kansas City, of course, won the big game in Detroit. You guys won your big game in Houston. Uh, you both were in the negative. But 12-2 and two last week, Norv, were teams with a plus turnover ratio. And I know it's something that you and Scott have focused on is hanging on to that football. But he's got a lot of nice weapons out there, and I think he's throwing the ball really well on the, on the move. Could you talk about some of his weapons like Christian McCaffrey? Well, Christian gets his his ball plays, and, you know, it's funny because because everyone says, well, you know, you got other guys while you throw it to them. Most of, I, I would say half of Christian's <laughs> catches come when he's the check down. He's the third or fourth right. uh, option in a route, and uh, Houston continued to play coverage, a lot of coverage, and they didn't want us to get big plays up the field, and Christian becomes the outlet, but uh, you know, DJ Moore is off to a good start. You know, he's he's got 20 catches in the first four games, and he's done a great job over the middle. And Curtis Samuel, he's he's stretching the field and making big plays. And you know, we had a 40-yard pass interference the first drive. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Greg Olson. Uh, we've got a good mix of guys yes. to uh, get the ball to. And Jerry's right. You know, we gave him a game ball. He had a he had a 40-yard catch at the end of half, and then he had the big catch at the end of the game when uh, Kyle s- slipped uh, under the pass rush and, and got, came clean and, and got the ball out. But Jerry, is, you know, he had five catches for 50 yards, so we are getting the ball spread around. Yeah, and that was a really nice job by the quarterback at the end of the game, making that play when you had it, and that really sealed it because you finished with a field goal there, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, and that put you up 16-10. That play of a Christian McCaffrey you're talking about right before the half, or well, a minute 22 to go before the half, I mean, that was just a little check down after a little play action you guys had. I think you had a bunch formation on the left side. He had time. I mean, he, he excellent protection, and he got an 18-yarder out of that. The cup, next play, he had a three-yard t- uh, rushing touchdown to put you guys up 10-3 at half. So uh, Christian McCaffrey leads the league in rushing. And I'm talking to the fans so they can hear this if they're not stat people. Leads the league in rushing, but he also leads the league as the number one running back in receptions with 25. So why wouldn't you throw him the ball? Jack, well, he's, uh, he, that catch he made, uh, you know, we had a third and seven, and he, he's running a crossing route. And the catch he made, he had to tap it to himself about three times and then dove and, and slid for the first down. That was probably the biggest play in the game because that let us keep the ball uh, we had a great day on third down uh, when we were when we were really trying to get the third down. The last run on third down, obviously, was for the field goal. Uh, we, we left 30 seconds on the clock, but uh, 
in the game in passing, Cal uh, was 7 of 12 on third down, uh, and all seven completions were for conversions. So that was a that was a big part of it. And and obviously, you turn the ball over three times. The only way you can win turnover three times is playing great defense. And our defensive guys stepped up and held them to the minimum uh, when we put them in bad position. Well, uh, your defense, number one in the league in sacks, number one in the league in pass defense, number four in the league in total defense. And like you're saying, Coach, when you have a defense like that and you have the weapons, the weapons that Kyle has around him, the DJ Moores, the McCaffreys, the Wrights, the Olsons, the Samuels, I mean, it's really fun to play uh, football on a day when you have all those weapons and you have a defense like that. And this week in your matchup against the Jaguars, two AFC teams in a row, I think it's a tremendous matchup for you guys because uh, they do have 13 sacks, but the Jags coach are giving up, I know you know this, but I'm talking for the fans, are giving up 43% on third down. So that's going to play right into your hands uh, with the Jags. All those things are important. You know, for us, we've had, we've had so many changes in the offensive line. It starts up front for us, and if we do a good job up front, uh, and, and they're an obvious, obviously a very, very good defensive front, uh, then I think you're talking about those weapons. Then I think our guys are going to have a chance to make plays. Yeah, and then and, and, and I know we don't want to talk injuries, but uh, you had a little bit of injury problem. Uh, you have one again this week. The kid that I pointed out on one of my tweets this week, the rookie, Greg Little, uh, that plays uh, left tackle for you, uh, unfortunately went back in the concussion protocol. I don't know what his status is. We don't have to talk about it. I don't want to do that. But you have Dennis Daly there, the backup out of South Carolina, the rookie. You moved. You already had to move Daryl Williams over to – to uh, right guard, so you got a little bit of moving around. But Johnny Matsko, the offensive line coach there, one of the better veteran coaches in the league, his guys play tough and play smart with good technique. So I'm sure you guys are going to find a way. And uh, talk a little bit about their front, the Calais Campbell, uh, the Josh Allen, uh, the Smoot. Those are the guys with the sacks. They're pretty tough up front, aren't they, Coach? They, they really are, and obviously it starts with Campbell, and he's – Every bit is impressive. I remember when he came in the league in Arizona, and and uh, he started throwing guys around. And I was in San Diego. We played him in preseason. He had three three sacks in the first quarter. I said, "Who the hell is this guy?" He hasn't changed. Uh, you you gotta you know you have to have someone to help on him, particularly when he's playing at a high level. And then you name the guys. They they have they're a little bit like us, and that they have some good young pass rushers, so they can roll people in there and keep them fresh, and you don't, you know, as, as, as you know, and you've taught it forever, if you're playing against the same guy and you're the left tackle, you're right tackle, and it's the same guy every down, you kind of get a feel for him, and, and you know how to play him. But when you play against two or three different guys, yes. uh, and there's a rotation, and all of a sudden there's a speed guy, then there's a power guy, then there's a guy that's got a spin move or something like that, it's, it's harder to really zero in on that in terms of how you're going to, game plan or or how you're going to protect them as an individual and they do they really do a good job moving their guys around uh, uh campbell plays about half the time on the right half the time on the left right uh so it's not a situation where you're always going to know how to double them how to help on them so they create some challenges up front and we're going to have to do a real nice job handling it yeah and i know like i said 
Johnny Matsko, one of the best out there. He'll have a plan for those guys. And let's talk one more thing, and I'll let you go, Coach. This Jalen Ramsey, he's not going to play. Uh, uh, DJ Hayden, has he been the guy? We had him in Oakland. I know they got him in free agency. You can double move him, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, as offensive guys, we're scheming for him and we're giving them different formations and different looks. Uh, but they, he's filled in nicely. And obviously, you're not going to replace Ramsey. He's, you know, one of the eight corners. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, you know, we've, we've just got to, along with attacking individuals, you know, we have to do a job with our concepts, attacking their scheme. And then I'd say about Kyle Allen. He's been doing a great job of getting through his progressions, understanding where we're trying to throw the football, and then and then when he does, he's very accurate. Yes, he is very accurate. And he throws the ball really well on the move. Well, Coach, I know it's Friday. I know you want to get home. Say hi to Nancy. Say hi to Scott for me. Uh, say hi to my running back coach, will you please, Jake Peets. I will. Have you're a, all your crew, oh, and, I, and you're right about Masco. He's He's one of, the, one of the really good offensive line coaches in this league. Yes, he does, and his guys play smart, and that's what I love watching his guys, and we've talked many, many times over the years. We met at a workout at, I believe it was Arizona State, when that big Middleton, that offensive lineman came out that ended up playing yeah. for Tampa Bay, and we've been, we've been acquaintances ever since. So have a great night tonight. Have a, a nice day of preparation tomorrow. Looking forward to the game. Go get three and oh, go get three in a row with uh, Kyle Allen and uh, celebrate a little bit afterwards, Coach. We'll do it. Good right. talk to you. All right, thanks talk for coming. Talk to you soon. All right, bro. Bye bye. That was offensive coordinator North Turner of the Carolina Panthers who take on the Jacksonville Jaguars at home this week. More from Odds and Ends with Mike Tice when we come right back. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice, and my next guest is the quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator of those New York Giants, the 2-2 two two New York Giants, coming off a big rivalry win against the Redskins 24-3, and that is the one and only Mike Shula. Michael, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great. A, lo- a lot better than I was two weeks ago on Friday. Is- but, uh, we've had two good wins, and... Uh, well, I said it uh, feels good to win in the division, and uh, but you got to head and get ready for this weekend. Yeah, it's amazing how this league, the National Football League, is you know week to week or every two weeks. Two weeks ago, everybody has certain teams written off. I talked to North Turner today earlier. He was on the show and he was talking about you know two weeks ago nobody liked the Carolina Panthers. They have an, an injury, unfortunate injury to Cam, who you know real well. And uh, now here comes the backup quarterback, and the next thing you know, they have a little bit of life in them. And so you guys have some life in you too. And last week, really enjoyed watching the tape. And Daniel Jones, big, tall, uh, athletic Daniel Jones, 23 for 31, 225 yards, one TD, no sacks, which is great. Great pocket poise and presence, I felt. Got to get rid of those two INTs, which you know. But uh, tell us a little bit about Daniel Jones and how you have helped him and how he has come along so quickly, Mike. Yeah, he's been one of the most unique rookies I've ever been around. Um, and he's uh, he talked about how 
you know, he's a lot like he's like a young Eli Manning, and in a lot of ways, he is. He's got the and the demeanor. Um, he is uh, extremely competitive. He's going to probably be the most quiet person in the room. Uh, he's got a fast mind, which is what you're always looking for in your quarterbacks. His athleticism, as you spoke, he's, uh, he's a very good athlete. He's fast. He's got really good pocket presence uh, for a young guy. And yet, you know, he's still making rookie mistakes. Um, you know, at times he's got a, all the things that you talk about with quarterbacks, you know, sometimes he gets off the first read a little too quick. Sometimes he hangs on to it. You know, all that stuff is going to you know, come, and he'll continue to get better with experience. But it's been nice to win uh, two games. And probably the best thing he's done is he's shown really good poise, uh, especially for a rookie. The, uh, after, you know, the first game when we were down 18 points at halftime, uh, never really you know, thought anything about you know, just the next drive and the, and the next play within that drive. And then last week, uh, as you said, you know, he had the two interceptions and you know, he was we talked about it and it, it didn't affect him at all. He just he got out there the next the next series and and uh, was dialed in on, on what he was supposed to do. Yeah, that I thought one of the uh, I don't not recollecting correctly, but I thought one of them got tipped, uh, or one of those picks he got tipped or the or the receiver didn't really hug back to the line of scrimmage. But that's neither here nor there. What's here is the first drive of the game last week he has a big 13-yard pass to Sterling Shepard on third and six to get you guys down in the low red zone. And then you, and it comes back and throws a six-yard TD pass to Wayne Gallman. And that's nice. I mean, the score in the first drive of the game is great. But not only that, he comes back and puts a good drive together, a really nice catch by that Evan Engram. We'll talk about him in a minute, 88. A 31-yard catch to kind of get that two-minute drive going. And then he makes a great decision, I felt like, with 18 seconds to go in the first half. He doesn't act like a rookie. He doesn't force the ball in. He scrambles for a big 12-yard gain. And three plays later, you guys kick a field goal. I mean, that must make you guys feel good at halftime, knowing that you start out with a score and you finish with a score. And that's really got to help his confidence, the confidence of the coaches, and the confidence of his teammates. Talk about that a little bit, if you will, Mike. Yeah, for sure. You know, and as we talked about all throughout our career, just the, um, you know, how important it is, obviously, to get off to get off to a good start in each half, and then also, you know, the hidden statistics of scoring right at the end of the half, how uh, that helps you, uh, you know, going into the uh, end of the third quarter, and then if you can get another score, then so his presence in two minute has been really good. Like you said, in the scramble where he. We were out of timeouts, and uh, he was able to, uh, uh, you know, playing man coverage, and he stepped up and not just uh, got yards for us. We had a chance maybe to get a – if we'd have been in bounds, it would have been tight whether or not we would have got another playoff. But, you know, got, got out to the sidelines, knew exactly what he needed to get to to, uh, you know, get yardage and still get out of bounds. Yeah, and, and, and what a great day. And one of the things that excited me about watching Daniel was how he slid in the pocket, some of it subtly – I pointed out on uh, my tweet earlier this week, some of it sliding sully uh, to just buy a little bit of time when, when it got a little bit leaky there in, in protection. Uh, but to be 8 of 13 on third down, 62, you know, roughly 62%, that uh, just shows me this kid is a natural. And uh, 
uh, gr- grown up a Giants fan myself. Uh, I got my Giants pan- pennant hanging here in my studio. So I'm pretty excited for you guys, and I'm excited for the weapons. I mean, Wayne Gallman comes in, Mike, and does a nice job filling in at running back. Sterling Shepard made some big plays, had seven catches for 76 yards. But the guy I want to talk about, 27 receptions, tied for six in the National Football League. Tell the fans a little bit about this Evan Engram. What a weapon he is. Talk about him a little bit. I think the first thing that comes to my mind when you talk about him is, you know, his explosiveness. Yeah. You know, he's he's explosive with the ball in his hands. He covers so much ground when he's uh, when he's running routes. You know, whether or not it's crossing routes, uh, deep crossing routes, seams, corner routes, uh, and then when he gets the ball in his hands, he's got that downfield burst. Mm-hmm. Um, he's and yeah, he's still a young guy. He's still learning. His explosiveness, even though he's probably labeled a little bit like a receiving tight end, his explosiveness helps him in the run game, and he's getting better there. Now, we're not going to ask him to spend the whole day blocking defensive ends or, um, you know, or pass protecting, but we want to make sure that we, you know, he continues to improve in those areas so now all of a sudden he can do more things and not just when he's in there, we're not just throwing on the ball, but. You know, he's. I think he's just going to continue to get better. And one of the reasons um, I think he's having, he's off to a good start. Is he's been healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, the last few years, uh, when, or when he got into the league, he's kind of been on and off as far as you know the consistency. You know, he's played each year and and uh, he's produced when he's in there. But he's just at times he's had to miss some miss some games because of injury. So hopefully, knock on wood, he'll stay, stay healthy and. Um, it gives Daniel another weapon to go along with Sterling Shepard and, you know, and Saquon when he gets back. And, right. and uh, Golden Tate now is back with us. So yeah. hopefully uh, we'll be able to, uh, you know, just move the ball around. And, and when those guys get the ball in their hands, um, as we're all looking for, we're looking for guys that can uh, make guys miss or run guys over when they do get the ball in their hands. Well, you're going to need a lot of that this week because I'll segue to your matchup, week five matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, a team that I'm very familiar with and a team that uh, has to be a little bit pissed off right now because things aren't going the way they planned, obviously. And they're still 10th in the league against the rush, uh, giving up 94 yards and 6th in the league in scoring defense. But the thing... I know that you guys have talked about it in your staff meetings, is the thing that's mind-boggling is they're 15 for 50 allowed on third downs. They're only allowing 30% uh, conversion rate there. Talk about that Minnesota Vikings defense a little bit, if you will, for the fans, Mike. Yeah, I mean, they're real. we played some good defenses already this year with playing the Cowboys, uh, playing Buffalo, uh, and really Tampa's uh, defensive line. Uh, but this is the best defense we've faced so far. They're, you know, they're, they're solid. They're above solid. They're, they're very good across the board. You know, they've had, I think, 10 of their 11 starters have, have uh, been starting for a couple years now, um, maybe more than that. They're, uh, you know, and it starts with the guys up front. They're front seven. They're extremely explosive. Um, they're disruptive. Uh, as we know, they can rush the passer. you got to account for guys on both sides. And up inside, it's hard. You know, a lot of times you get one or two guys where you can kind of give give your offense a tackle help, chip help, things like that. But these guys have guys on both sides with all kinds of all kinds of different moves. Um, they're good in the secondary. Their safeties are very knowledgeable, and they cover a lot of ground. Their corners, they have one of the best corners, if not the best corner in the league in Rhodes. Mm-hmm. 
So there's not a lot of holes, and you just got to kind of keep at it. Um, there's there's going to be times when they're going to make plays. You can't get frustrated. You just got to stick to your plan. Um, and as we know on offense, we, we're always trying to stay ahead of the chain, so to speak. You, you stay out of those long yardage situations because that's where they really thrive on second long and third and long. Yeah, that's when he's going to bring the juice, and and Zimmer's going to bring that double A gap pressure, and you got guys, you have guys like Daniel Hunter who has three sacks, and that I think a beast inside that Linville Joseph, who I always hated playing against and scheming against, and Everson Griffin. I mean, these guys get after it. Uh, you guys are doing a really really nice job. It I like the offensive line right now. They're playing as a unit. Nate Solder, Will Hernandez. Uh, Zetla, the old uh, Z- the old Badger. I thought Mike Remmers right. did some nice things at right tackle last week. The line's coming together, and you know it takes time for the line to come together and play as a unit. So things are on the up and up for the Giants, and I know it's Friday and you want to go home and see the girls, and I really <laughs> I really appreciate you going on. And as we used to say when I was growing, growing up, go Gents. You know, first first, <laughs> sure, first team in the history. Yeah, you. good talking with you. Giants are the first team in the history where the fans shouted defense, defense. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. I like that. A little tidbit. I well, like that. Go get after it this week, Mike, and uh, and have a great okay. weekend. Okay, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay, good talking with you. Okay. All right, Mike. Bye-bye. Thanks to the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, Mike Shula of the New York football Giants, has a red-hot quarterback in Daniel Jones this week. Thanks a lot for coming on, Mike. And when we come back, we'll have on Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens. He'll have a couple of controversial subjects to talk about, and he'll pick a couple football games in the NFL and a couple horse races when we come back with Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. Can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do. If he says the horse can do, can do. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. And my next guest, we have a few subjects to talk about. My next guest is Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens. Gary, how's it going today, this Friday, for you, brother? Everything is good. Uh, back in California, getting some nice weather. I was supposed to be in California or in uh, New York this weekend, but uh, covering a couple races from Santa Anita that I think are pretty interesting. We got some great racing between. Keelan, uh, Santa Anita, and Belmont Park all weekend long, Mike. Yeah, I was looking at I printed out all three forms last night. I had a chance to start looking through some of the great racing and uh, coming up on a grade one at Keelan today in about uh, 10 minutes or less. Uh, how do you say that? I'm always having word problems when I talk to you. Al-Sabide, is that how you say Al-Sabide. it? Al-Sabide. Al-Sabide. al I, I had trouble with that uh, in younger years. Well, Mike. Yeah, no, I don't I, worry about. It. Oh, thanks. It must be me. Uh, you know, at least I'm not drooling on myself. So, so, <laughs> so, so leading up to the Breeders' Cup, we're getting close uh, at Santa Anita, the Breeders' Cup this year. Uh, you have your ear to the ground and uh, really heavily involved in all of thoroughbred racing. Do you have anything that's going on out there that you can share with the fans on our show today? Yeah, first of all, I can't hear you very well, but uh, I, I thought last weekend was really interesting in that, uh, you know, the, the the huge race that both horses run with Vina Rosso and Code of Honor. I thought it was one of the best races I've ever seen. Uh, 
maybe one of the most controversial races that I've ever seen since uh, the first Saturday in May of this year with maximum security and Code of Honor getting moved up to third. In this case, uh, Code of Honor got beat uh, just inches, and the old horse, Pino Rosso, uh he was disqualified. He won the race. Uh, Code of Honor made the lead inside the 16th pole by a long head. Uh, there was contact made. I thought the stewards made the right call. Uh, I did not agree with how long they took it, uh, took to put the inquiry up on the board. It took about eight minutes. It took 22 minutes, the exact same time as it did the Kentucky Derby for these guys to make the decision. I don't think that's, I, I, I think it looks bad on the industry. Uh, I think it's indecisiveness and it gives, uh, the fans, uh, the betters, uh, reason to be upset about, uh, the judgment of what's going on um, with the stewardship in this industry. And it, it also uh, stands to be said that uh, it's different in every jurisdiction, and it would be like a group of NFL football players going to a different field in a different state playing by different rules. And it's it's just a BS. Uh, no good for our industry, and until we get that straightened out, we're not going to move forward, Mike. Well, you know, I, I liken it, Gary, to jump in here for a second, because you brought up the National Football League. I hope you can hear me a little better. I liken it to... I got you. I liken it to the what's going on with the pass interference right now in the National Football League. Coaches, I've, I've been reading, are confused. I mean, each staff, each uh, officiating staff, and there's crews, I guess we'll call them, out there are officiating it differently and calling it differently, and uh, the coaches are not sure when to challenge, when not to challenge, and now you get the thoroughbred racing starting with, in my opinion, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you have these officiating crews, if you will, the, the stewards, making a judgment on activity that's going on and interference on the course, and I think, like you said, it's different in every jurisdiction, it's different in every state, every track, and the same thing's going on in the National Football League with the uh, pass interference call. So I think that's a good uh, analogy that you threw in there for the fans, and yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. With all that's going on in horse racing right now, uh, things need to be cleaned up because what you don't want the fans are leaving, watching a big race, or you know, going to a big race, whether it's on TV or, or, or in attendance at the track, and leaving discouraged because, like you said, 22 minutes? Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and hopefully we get both uh, situations taken care of in both sports. And the other thing I want to talk about, and, and this is controversial for you and I because we're closely attached with, uh, with both people involved in this situation, and it's like coach and quarterback, and uh, that's Mike Smith and, and Bob Baffert, what happened this last weekend. And we've also got another player in the game, and uh, the owner of the horse, who's a very close friend to both of us, uh, and Mike Pagram, uh, and the horse McKenzie. And uh, I've had a conversation with Mike Smith, and, and I'm not going to share everything with what I told, uh, or what was told to me uh, prior to the race, but i got to tell you, uh, Mike, that uh, I wouldn't have ridden McKenzie any differently than what Mike Smith did. Mongolian groom was not a factor in the race uh, on paper. 
He had a perfect setup going down the backside. Two horses that he thought were inferior, and I'm riding the best horse in America. I've got him on the outside. I've got him in striking position. And uh, then uh, Mongolian Groom hits another gear when it looks like McKenzie is going to swamp him at the head of the stretch. And I think that this race probably set McKenzie up perfectly for the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yet, he was fired that night. Not the next day, that night. But at least Bob told him to his face. And and difference between uh, Mike Smith and I is I would have probably went off on, on Bob Baffert uh, with <laughs> no. the lack of instructions and, and everything else. But um, that, that uh, I, I was so surprised when I saw that uh, uh, the next morning that he had been fired off of uh, McKinsey. But, hey. Uh, like I told Mike, I said I was fired from Bob a long time ago, and I survived. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, there's there's going to be, uh, I think he's actually riding a horse for Bob uh, on Saturday or tomorrow at Santa Anita. Right. So it's, uh, it's uh, unfortunately, it's a really good horse that he was taken off, or, off of, or as you say, fired. And it's a tough business. I mean, it's a winning business. It's like the again, I segue over and make an analogy to the National Football League. It's a a winning business. It's you know, two weeks ago, teams are zero and two, and everybody needed to get fired. And a couple of guys I talked to this week, North Turner and Mike Shuler from the Giants in Carolina, uh, won two in a row, and now everybody loves them. And uh, same thing in your business, in the thoroughbred business. If you don't win the race, and the expectation was to win the race. It makes things hard, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes changes are made. And and uh, of course, I can tell by the tone of your voice you don't agree with it. But uh, I'm going to take. No, the, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say no. I, I'm used to it, and, uh-huh. and we all are that have been in the industry. Whether it's you as a, a coach, football player, you know it. Uh, if you gotten beat in a couple of situations where everybody thought you were going to win that you're expendable and we're all expendable in every job that we do in life I don't care what it is if uh, we're the grocery boy uh, you know that makes a couple of mistakes you're going to get demoted or you're going to get fired and uh, one of the coolest things and I'm going to share this uh, the difference between Mike Smith and I is he said look coach he said, uh, set me on the bench for a while, but don't fire me. Don't don't cut me. <laughs> You're right. And Gary Stevens in my career never would have been able to say that. But uh, Bob's stable is so powerful, and, and they're going to work it out. They're great friends. I'm great friends with Bob. I'm not mad at Bob. I'm, I, I just I get frustrated with uh, some of the things that happen, but you and I both know how this works and your sport work. Yeah, now we have the old adage in our sport, what have you done for me lately? And so that's, that just exactly. shows you how tough it is. But speaking of sports and speaking of football and horse racing, we have a little bit of fun ahead of us. And you're undefeated. Uh, people don't know, we pushed out a YouTube show last week, and I'm still trying to get this thing down. Uh, it did record. Uh, but Gary picked two winning games last week and, uh, and two undefeated teams. He picked New England, and uh, he picked, uh, I can't believe it was a Kansas City over Detroit or someone like that. But anyway, you picked three, uh, two winners and that last week and three the week before. You're 5-0. and oh. 
you were uh, one for two in your horse racing picks last week. <laughs> you picked you picked Code of Honor. You picked Code of Honor, and you picked the, and that's why you know you're not happy. And uh, so I'm going to give you two more games. I'm going to give you the games. Uh, I'm going to give hey, you look, two. I'm glad he. I'm glad he took Mike Smith off the horse. Okay, <laughs> he rode a bad race. <laughs> His fault, not mine. I'm sending this to Mikey. No, so uh, I'm going to give you two games with the two coaches I spoke to. I'm going to give you first the uh, my old team, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, and then taking on the New York Giants in New York. The Giants have coming off of two wins, and of course Minnesota had the tough loss last week and. Who do you like? You don't have to give them no points. Just pick the winner of the Giants with the red-hot Daniel J- Jones from Duke, the number one pick or the number one pick for the Giants this year. Who do you like in that game? Hey, where where are we playing at? We're playing in New York. Oh, simple. I'm going with the kid. Oh. The kid who comes in, I'm going with the kid. You're going with, I'm the, going with the Giants. You're going with the Giants. I grew up a New York Giants fan. If we were on a YouTube show, I'd have the camera point out my pennant of the New York Giants I have hanging on the wall here. And then I'm going to give you the uh, next game, which I think is going to be a really good game. It's a good matchup. Uh, Carolina has some issues up front with their offensive line. They have some injuries, but they have this uh, young quarterback playing good football for them. Tell me about Carolina at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, What do you think of that one? Carolina. Oh, yeah. I like Carolina, too. Carolina's playing. I'm going Carolina. Yeah, they have some weapons. I mean, they have a lot of weapons. Uh, they have a quarterback, young quarterback that's that's playing uh, really good football. Kyle Allen uh, was 24-34 last week, no picks. Got a little fumble problem in the pocket, but yeah, I like Carolina as well. All right, now we're going to move over to a sport that uh, you don't have a good record on and on the show. That is horrible. <laughs> and we're going to pick. The grade one champagne steak for two-year-olds, uh, $500,000 purse at Belmont to go off as the 10th race. I think the race is wide open. I have one, two, three, four, five of the seven horses I have information written on. Who are you liking in this one, Gare? Well, I'm, I, I've got it ruled down to two. First of all, I don't know if you knew that uh, Free Technique is out of the race. He's okay. not running. Okay. And I know that was one of uh, one of your many in there, and I've, I'm just on two horses, and I'm going to go pretty solid, exact a bet mm, mm. on top, on top single with next year's Derby winner. Ooh, he's going green out. Green light to, go. Green light go for green James light. Jerkins. Yep. Yep. You want to go with that with Tis the Law? So, and if you want to just. You just kind of whispered to, you You went, I'm going single, green light go. You yelled that one out, but then you went, tis the law. <laughs> you know? Well, you, you, you got you to throw Godzilla in there. Yeah. With Aspen. Oh, yeah. But you, uh, you got a two. <laughs> you got it down to two, and you gave me three. <laughs> well, I, I yeah, green light go is going to be a really tough. Went off the favorite at Saratoga in the Saratoga Special Grade Two. Uh, Gozilla runs for Steve Asmussen. Uh, went off the favorite in the Hopeful at Saratoga in the slop, mind you, and finished third. And Tiz the Law for Barkley Tag six and a half uh, maiden special weight winner ninety buyer one by four and a half lengths. Uh, three really good horses. Uh, any any of uh, a bunch of horses. So let's move. 
let me tell you why I like this horse, uh, Green Light Go. Mike, if you saw him in person, he has a presence like that guy that walks onto the field and you just go, oh my. Mm-hmm. Um, he is that guy. Yeah. And he's got Jimmy Jerkins training him. Yeah. I don't know whether... Here, here's my take. I don't think he'll bring him to California if he wins hmm. uh, for the Breeders' Cup. I think he's going to rest him mm-hmm. and put him away and prepare him for the Triple Crown. Hmm. That's what I would do. He's old school, and I'm not saying I'm Jimmy Jerkins, but uh, I would love to see him win this race and put him away and uh, concentrate on the Triple Crown, go to South Florida in the wintertime and, and prep him there and, and go that direction. But he's he is uh, he's one of those that you just see and you go, oh my. Mm-hmm. Well, we like the oh my's. You know, we don't like the oh my's that we used to call lobby players, and they'd come <laughs> off the bu- they'd they'd come off the bus and you'd be sitting there and they'd come off the bus and you'd go, oh my god, and they looked really good in the lobby of the hotel when they checked in, but when they got on the field, they couldn't play worth a shit. So that we called those <laughs> lobby players. So here's, go. let's go to the Saratoga, oh, excuse me, the Santa Anita, the Santa Anita Sprint Championship, grade one. We already talked about that, six furlongs. I think it's a two-horse race. Uh, who, who do you like in there? Uh, speaking of Mikey, who do you like in there in this race, Gary? Speaking of Mikey, hold on, I got a phone call. Well, <laughs> it, was, it was ignored. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, Robo killer. <laughs> I, I know it looks like a, a two-horse race, but... Buyer-wise, with Chancelot running that 121, yeah. it looks like a one-horse race. Mm-hmm. But saying that, I put uh, Omaha Beach. I single him yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really do. Well, and and the reason I'm saying that for him to repeat that race here at Santa Anita, he's been out here uh, for ten days or so now. He had a great workout, but. I never see Richard Mandela have a 46-3 and three work, black letter, five days out from the race. This morning that I spoke with him, and he says, we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know if we're going to go in the sprint. We don't know if we're going to go in the dirt mile. We don't know if we're going to go in the mile. But And we don't know if we're going to go in the classic. Those are strong words. That's like Shug McGahee saying, he's doing all right. Yeah, and when Shug McGahee says one's doing all right, you can march to the window. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty much me with Richard Mandela. That was I heard enough this morning. Well, you also got to remember Omaha Beach was Mike Smith's choice for the Triple Crown races, and then he had you know the unfortunate injury, or or the, he didn't run in any of the Triple Crown races after winning the Arkansas Derby. And Mikey had a bunch of choices of horses, and that's the one he had picked. So I could see that as a pick. I like Omaha Beach also, and I saw that bullet work. And you watch if you watch Richard Mandela, he doesn't throw a lot of 46s out there. So, Well, listen, I know you, you got Maddie, and uh, you're picking her up from school, and appreciate you coming on. Let's see if we can get this thing turned around horse racing-wise. You're kicking ass in the football games, huh? <laughs> Let's see how we do this weekend, Mike. All right, bro. Uh, let's have some fun. All right, man. All right, man. Talk to you later, bro. All right. Bye bye. That was Gary Stevens, Hall of Fame jockey, talking horse racing. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. Action packed. Great guest this week. And of course, always 
as always, I should say, Gary Stevens has plenty to say on any subject you want to bring up. The Seattle Seahawks kicked off week number five in the National Football League with a 30-29 victory Thursday night over the Rams to get the 4-1, and but there's a lot of great games on the slate this weekend. Jacksonville travels to Carolina. Both teams are 2-2. Two and two. The Vikings travel to New York to take on the Giants. Both teams are 2-2. Two and two. Tampa Bay, 2-2 two and two at New Orleans, 3-1. and one. Baltimore, I know they're 2-2 two and two at Pittsburgh, 1-3, and three, but that's going to be an intriguing game. Always is a great physical matchup between those two arch rivals. Green Bay, 3-1, goes to Dallas, 3-1, and one, and that's the afternoon game on Sunday. And Cleveland, on Monday night, travels to the 3-0 San Francisco 49ers, coming off a bye. In thoroughbred horse racing, with about a month to go to the Breeders' Cup, of course, you've got the Champagne Stakes at Belmont for two-year-olds that Gary Stevens talked about, and the Santa Anita Sprint Champion- Championship at Santa Anita. Also at Santa Anita, Grade 3 LA Woman, and also at Santa Anita City of Hope Mile, a Grade 2 race. At Belmont, they also have the Grade 2 Hill Prince and the Grade 1 Joe Hirsch Turf Classic. But the great racing of the day in my book is at Keeneland. You have three Grade 1 races, the Shadwell Turf Mile, the Breeders' Cup for Churdy for two-year-olds, another peek at those Derby hopefuls, and the Grade 1 First Lady. Also the Grade 2 Woodford and the Grade 2 Thoroughbred Club of America. What a great weekend of football. That's not even to mention college football on Saturday. Great week of NFL football on Sunday. And a tremendous Saturday of Thoroughbred Horse Racing. Don't forget, you can tweet your thoughts and comments to Odds and Ends Pod. That's O-D-D-S, the letter N-E-N-D-S, Pod. Or you can give us a phone call. Nah, don't give us a phone call. We'll see you next week.